Hello, everyone. Don't worry, this will be the last week in which I'll introduce our roundup. Here is a roundup of the second 30 episodes of Behind the Bima. Enjoy. Rabbi Tzvi Ram, rabbi of the Bialystoker Synagogue, shared memories of Rav David Feinstein, Zechar Tzadik Lavracha. In that meeting of the Rabbonim, one of the Rabbonim suggested that uh, we should print out, we should print out Tehillim sheets with the appropriate chapters of Tehillim that we we're going to say. The suggestion had been, tell everybody to bring their own book of Tehillim, you know? So somebody said, you know, like, uh, it's difficult. People have different editions. You know, you're going to flip through. Not everybody can manage with that, you know. Maybe we should just print out on a piece of paper all the Tehillim. We do this, by the way, for those, uh, you know, we have a connection to YU. We do this in YU all the time. Every Monday and Thursday when we have to say Tehillim, we print it out. So if David stopped, and he kind of looked quizzically, like he couldn't understand why somebody would say that. He said, I, I don't understand. We're trying to increase merits for the people in Eretz Yisrael. You're going to generate hundreds of pages of Shamos, which mm-hmm. are then just going to be disposed of? I, I don't understand. Why would you do that? For Reb David, there was no... There was no window dressing. You know, this is an evening. We're getting together to, to get schusim, to get merits for Eretz Yisrael, to daven on behalf of Eretz Yisrael. And, and anything that detracts from that is just negative. Singer and Chazm Shim Kramer shared memories of Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, Zechar Tzadok Lerocha. People did lose someone they felt they were related to, even though they weren't, or they saw, in you know, a few times, but felt like they were literally close family. He had the ability to reach out to to so many people in so many ways and, and, and in so many different subject matters. And so many, there was always something that he had to say that someone would connect to. There was always, you know, one of the things that for me, uh, Rabbi Sachs connected to me in so many ways, not just personally, but as a, as, as a Godoya, I feel a Godoya, you know, of that generation, I feel like he literally managed to reach uh, everyone right. you know the very very rare ability to do that world-renowned lawyer ben brofman confirmed the famous story involving a client of his p diddy it was true he called a thousand times and i called him afterwards and i said i told you not to call me friday night unless it was an emergency and i knew it wasn't an emergency because she didn't call the office and they didn't fax me a note saying he's just been arrested or he's just been shot i don't know what the emergency could be, but that didn't happen. And yet my phone rang. So I'm sorry. Um, I didn't answer the phone. And he said, don't be sorry, man. He says, I just won. I won $10,000 because I bet my guys that you would not pick up the phone. You know, I've always prided myself on, on doing my job well and trying to um, um, have a set of ethics as a criminal defense lawyer that I think are discernible and very important. And once you lose your credibility as a criminal defense lawyer, uh, you're really uh, worthless uh, and not really worth uh, as a lawyer. And I think once you compromise uh, yourself, um, then, uh, you know, people don't come to you and don't call you. Malcolm Holmline, executive vice chair of the Conference of Presidents of Major Jewish Organizations, discussed the state of the Jewish not people. not enemies or natural disasters or wars. It's apathy, indifference, and ignorance. Those were the challenges throughout our history. We did not overcome. We were doomed. And today we see a generation that is largely ignorant. They're even ignorant. They don't know what the Soviet Jewry movement is. The latest polls studies show that young people today don't know what Auschwitz was, what the Holocaust was. It's, I mean, it is only 80 years. 
and some of the last survivors are still alive, and yet we see the Holocaust revisionism, et cetera. So education is the most important thing that we start with. And the changes that we've studied in the studies we've done of young people, it's not that they turn so much against, they turn towards indifference. But indifference for us is a loss. If somebody's indifferent in an election, they just discount themselves. They don't vote for or against, they're just, they're just not part of the equation. But that's not true when it comes to support for Israel or in the other fights that we are engaged in. Part of our problem is our success. We saved Syrian Jews, we saved Ethiopian Jews, we saved Russian Jews. And those were causes that could mobilize people. It was pure. I mean, for many of them, I, I told often Russian Jews, they saved more of our kids than we did of theirs. That mm. so many young people came back to the community were motivated by the examples and by the, the, um, the effort. And that is why I am trying now and have been pushing for years and finally seeing results to create a movement again, not an organization, not where everybody's name is, is and whose you know, uh, letterhead it's going to be on, but a movement against, anti, against Jew hatred. Rabbi and educator Rabbi Yoel Gold discussed how he inspires himself and others. I just want to give people that feeling that I felt my whole life, the feeling that, you know, whatever you're going through, there's always a hashgacha. You're always where you're supposed to be, and the Rebbe is with you. And I just had a friend just text me today. I was releasing my trailer for the upcoming Hanukkah film, and a guy said, you know, it's so cool to see so many years later that despite what you've been through, you're, you know, you're doing this. And I, I, I kept saying to him, it's not despite, it's because, you know, these are these challenges, these difficulties or whatever we go through, that's what makes us into who we are. That's what makes, I think, that's what makes somebody successful in today's day and age. The fact that you're relatable, the fact that you share the same interests, then when you come and teach them Gemara, you teach them mitzvahs, you teach them whatever, halacha, they say, you know, here's a guy who I can relate to, I can connect to. Let me hear what he has to say. Ellie Pillay, owner of Mishpacha Media Group, talked about including pictures of women in publications. You know, I met with, with a very active lady uh, that came over to me and she said, listen, we are very, uh, we are the people who are working in outreach, very bothered. And it's hard for us to explain to people the fact that a Haredi, a mainstream Haredi publication is really eliminating uh, um, uh, women. And I, I told her, listen, this is the first time I hear an argument that really makes me feel that we need to do something about it. Because as long as people are coming to me and say, listen, we will boycott Mishpacha. There is some, some Facebook group who are trying. Or oh, the opposite. I was got offer that they were trying to uh, um, bring together 5,000 people to sign subscribers of Mishpacha if Mishpacha will start to put pictures of women. So I said, as long as this is a business decision, it's very easy. But we're not just about business here. We're talking about issues. And Mishpacha is someone who represents the Haredi voice and the Haredi jury as to face this challenge and to try to understand how this is uh, affecting or creating an image about Haredi people. So Rebetzin Lori Palatnik, the founding director of Momentum, explained how she uses her talents to bring people close to their Jewish roots. I believe that the Almighty gave me incredible gifts. Uh, in my second grade report card, my mother called me up. She says, I'm sending you your second grade report card. I go, why are you sending me my second? First of all, could she be Jewish? She still has my second grade report card. <laughs> so I said, why are you sending me my second grade report card? She goes, when you get it, open it and call me. You'll see. All right. So I get it. I open it up. My second grade report card says Lori likes to get up in front of the class and enthrall them with her stories. 
Okay. It could have been like a review of my last talk in LA. <laughs> so, so what did I learn from this? Like Hashem gives you gifts. What you do with those gifts, that's your Bechira. That's your free will. I could be using it to sell you Amway products, Swampland in Florida, or I could be using it to share the Almighty's wisdom. Social media and YouTube celebrity Mayor Kay discussed how he became a success. The year is 1990. I was born. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's, 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 you know, it's been a long time coming. No, there's no overnight success. It's, it's really something that I never looked at as a job or a business. And I think my Bubby will cringe when I say that because she thinks I'm allergic to money. I think it's, it's not the fueling. It's not the, it's not the momentum that keeps me going to show up every day and to, and to spread the message of positivity and light and to infuse that with my background and with, with the Torah that I know and, and the, and the wisdom that I pick up from incredible teachers. And so um, it, growing up, I suppose, and I did grow up Chabad and Chabad in, in, that, in that philosophy and in that home, which is, was always so open and warm. I've always been infused and taught, you know, obviously, Israel, every, you know, doesn't matter what kind of titles people have and how long their beard is and what does a Jew look like. I don't know. I just, you know, it, 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 it's just all about showing up and just sharing that one mitzvah in the moment. Jay Feinberg, the founder and CEO of Gift of Life, discussed how Gift of Life was born and the importance of positivity. It, it, it's incredibly important. Um, you know, to me, it makes all the difference. You know, you, um, you, you, you need to stay positive and have that positive attitude. And, and that's really what gets you through it. Uh, you know, having uh, family and friends and community um, and knowing that they stand by you and support you and they're there for you in need, um, that, that really gets you through things. Uh, I have to say that I, I think that having a positive attitude plays uh, an important role in your health, both um, psychologically um, and uh, physically. I, I really, really do. So, um, so I encourage everybody to to find um, that uh, that sense of positivity um, and uh, and and seek the help of your community and uh, and everyone who can be there for you. To to me, and I think to my family as well, it was it was a matter of paying it forward. And knowing that there were so many other patients out there in similar circumstances who weren't finding matches. And we, we had, you know, built up uh, such a momentum with all of these drives, testing, you know, between 50 and 60,000 people and, uh, and helping so many people out there uh, in similar circumstances. And there were so many more that needed help that we couldn't not do it. Dr. Ellie Shapiro, director of the digitalcitizenship.com, explained how to give kids the right digital vocabulary. You know, people ask me, let's talk about TikTok. Let's talk about which filter is best. And, and it's important to identify these, but the underlying issues is so much more important because we can inculcate a self-awareness into kids that they can utilize terms. And it's amazing when you hear an eighth or ninth grader talking about impulsivity or compulsivity when it comes to technology and, and be able to identify that behavior. If we give language to behaviors, then we can manage it. Then we can talk about it. Then we can make adjustments. But if there's no language, and I just give you know straight rules, you know, don't post personal information online. But I don't understand what disinhibition is. And I don't understand that I'm more likely to post private personal information or or uh, images or songs, uh, you know, like musically or TikTok. If I don't understand how I'm more likely, I would never walk in the street and and sing and dance suggestively. Uh, you know, you wouldn't do that. Uh, and but if it's online, there's disinhibition. So if I, if I can understand disinhibition, then that will inform my behavior across the board. Psychotherapist and educator Joey Rosenfeld shared his path towards Kabbalah. 
from the beginning, I was always interested in, in something more than what I was offered. And so while it was certainly not expressed towards mysticism by any means, it was a movement for more or owed mm. or something more than what was present, which I believe is the very same impulse that drives a person into kind of panemia satora. Judaism does not perceive the idea of perfection as a concept whatsoever. Even prior to the Chet of Adam Arishon, things were imperfect. That was the injunction to protect oneself, to be guarding. The implication is that we're susceptible to failure already. Not to mention the symptom, the act of contriction and shattering of the vessels. The birthplace of human experience is brokenness. Renowned journalist and speaker Sivan Rahav Meir discussed Judaism and journalism. Maybe because I was a journalist and then I became uh, like more from, I feel it added uh, really, I feel it like adds something to my career, to my life, because it's much more meaningful now. I interviewed them all, as I said, from the age of six. But now, like, there's a meaning and there's like shlichut, you know, there's a mission here. When we received the Torah, you know, nobody said at Har Sinai, okay, you're modern, you're you're to the right, you're to the left. You're Hasidish, you're yeshivish, you're... Now, maybe it's like childish, it's a childish way to describe things, but I think we need that concept and maybe, you know what I discovered during our year in the States? Maybe we need your format. I mean, your formula of American Haredish. I don't know. I, are you Haredi? No. Are you Bnei um, Akiva? No. Are you? Uh, it's something different. World-renowned singer Shulam Lemmer talked about the meaning of success. At the end of the day, I think whatever you say, whatever you sing, whatever you do has to be with true belief and conviction. So whatever you sing, regardless of what, uh, what type of songs, whatever audience, you want to make sure that you truly believe and you convey a message, not just sing a song. I think it goes back to the humility of like, it all, it's all up to Hashem. It's, it's, it's what's there to, t- of course, I'm proud of the things I do and you work hard for it and you're proud. And there's a certain satisfaction when you accomplish things. And also another thing, what really keeps you going is well, the impact it makes. U.S. Congressman Ted Deitch shared some of his experiences in Congress. The work I do now is just like the work that I did before, just like the work that so many people in our community do in in advocating for a strong and secure Israel. I just get to do it now from the other side of the desk. And I have the benefit of then sharing whatever insight and experiences I've had with my colleagues to hopefully make them better informed, uh, more knowledgeable, and in their own way, more committed to these these things that we care so deeply about. Naftali Bennett, now the Prime Minister of Israel, discussed Emuna and Bitachov. First of all, I, I view the Shabbat Shalom Amdina, Barachet Medinat Israel, Rashid Smichat Geulatenu, blessed the state of Israel, the beginning of, of the Geula. Uh, I, I, I think Israel's a miracle. I think it's a, a, a divine miracle uh, where human and Hashem uh, have, have to work together. I'm a very practical person. I, I, uh, I'm a big believer in uh, which means, you know, don't think that all the is on you, but that doesn't release you from putting in all your effort. The Rebbitsons of BRS, the wives of the hosts, came on to talk about their lives and their backstories. So, hi, I'm Yocheved Goldberg. Maiden name was Brookstein. I'm from Lawrence, New York. 
And I actually did want to be a Rebbitzin. I kind of went into this knowing full well. I dated guys who were going for smicha and who wanted to be some form Ooh. of a rabbi. And um, I, I was involved in Kirov and in different organizations in high school and college and really enjoyed doing all of those organizations and working with different populations. And, you know, I loved Kirov and just you know, working with people and, and helping. And so it was something that I really loved. I loved community work and um, social worker was something that I also loved to be with people and to advise and to counsel. And so this was something that I really wanted in my life. Aside from my role here in our school, which I absolutely love being involved in our community, I'm part of this great team at BRS. Um, I do also work, um, my, I always say my other hat, um, as a nurse practitioner in one of the local um, internal medicine offices here, and I love love doing that. Um, how do I combine it? Um, well, I, I do see um, many patients, many local patients. Um, I feel that both work, I work at in my office as well as in the community in the shul, really do combine what I love to do is connect people and help people. We moved here actually 21 years ago. I will be married actually 24 years next Tuesday, and we have six children. And um, I write currently, besides being the BRS, I guess, Outreach Revitin, I also work with Yachad, which is I help uh, families with um, children with disabilities. And we used to entertain all the time, and we had programs and projects and workshops here. And when Corona hit, it got so quiet. And then we needed um, a way to connect with all of our people. So we initially started by a challah program. We started making multiple challahs each week and delivering challahs to our Friday Live service, Friday Live Outreach family, and to our Momentum group families, and to our Yachad families. The Bluefelds, who have been married for 80 years, shared secrets to a successful marriage. We met at, at 16 years of age. Incidentally, I do the talking, but Edith is really the boss. I just want you to know. <laughs> Like and, us, just like us. And, exactly. Anyhow, we met at 16. Uh, we, we got engaged. Uh, uh, Edith was, was 19 and I was 20. We got married in 21, in, in 41. That was before Pearl Harbor, incidentally, and uh, and, 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 and in 1943, uh, I was called into service. Edith sent me a letter every single day, every wow. day, because she saw what it was when we were in Mississippi, how people, fellows were stand waiting for the mail and get no mail, and it was so disappointing, and she felt so sorry for them. You said. I want you to know that one thing is that we had arguments like any any normal couple, but we never, never, ever went to bed angry at each other. Rick Smith Jr., world-renowned card thrower and magician, discussed his path to becoming a record-breaking card thrower. I, I'm a magician, and I was also an NCAA pitcher in college, so... I played baseball and I found out that I had this crazy talent of being able to throw a ball 90 miles an hour plus. And one day by accident, I picked up a playing card, threw it and found out that I could throw playing cards farther, harder and more accurate than anyone in the world and ended up breaking some Guinness World Records. Back in 2002, I broke my first world record for the distance throw, 72 yards, so 216 feet, four inches. 
And it yeah. basically was before social media. So there's no YouTube, no Instagram. I, I, I kind of went viral with Associated Press, like the front page of the local newspaper. But it went worldwide. <laughs> so it launched my career, breaking world records. I just broke another one um, this year. This was uh, wow. the most the cards thrown out of a deck of cards. Award-winning author A.J. Jacobs shared lessons in gratitude, creativity, and more. It's a numbers game. Creativity, I really believe, is a numbers game. And you should... You should be open to that. You should realize that not every idea is a gem, but you got to come up. We just got to churn them out and there are going to be some gems in there. And it was interesting because when I started that project, I did not think of gratitude as a very Jewish value uh, because my cultural Judaism, you know, the the emotions that I most thought of, you know, were like confetching. That was like, you know, very, <laughs> that's a Jewish guilt, emotion. Guilt, complaint. Guilt, right. exactly. Right. Um, but it just in researching and talking to wise rabbis like you, uh, you know, I was, I was enlightened that it is a tremendously Jewish emotion. Jeff Swartz, the former CEO of Timberland, shared the inspiration he got from opening up a Gemara. The first time I opened up a Gemara, it, it, it came to me in, in the mail. I had ordered it and I opened it up and I put it on the counter. And again, uh, I try not to be emotional, but I put my, I didn't put my eyes on it. I put my hand on the daf, and I, and I, I was a good brand builder. And so in my business world, and so I had a sense that it was sensual. And so this, but I put my hand on the daf physically and I felt like coming from the ground of this thing. I, I felt heat and light, but what did I say? Show me your friends and I'll tell you uh, about you, but also show me your shlichut and I'll tell you about you. And so to be the rabbis of Boca Raton is um, right? It, it, it's not the, the obvious answer, right? It, it, it isn't. And it's, yet it's your answer. And so the first thing anybody should say is thank you for what you do. Who you are is who you are, but what you do is a choice that you make and it's powerful and it's brave and it's lopashu, it's not obvious. Writer and biographer Surly Besser explained how he came to write biographies of many gedolim. Uh, the story starts, like, like most stories, or many stories, we're, we're big believers in camp, pirachet, camp, extracurricular, you know, because people go through the beautiful, functional yeshiva system. They don't always, they don't get to access maybe those extra talents that they, they know they have. I should mention that I have five sisters, I have no brothers, which it seemed like a cruel fate for most of my life. But at a certain point, I started to realize as I got older, especially that I'm able to do what I do because I, I grew up with people. Is it okay to say that there's a lot of talking in my house? Just talking and talking and talking and talking. And at a certain point, Mark you can't express that, yourself. Good. I appreciate that. So, so there, there was just a lot of expression and, and everything was being talked out. There really wasn't, you know, there was no one to play ball with. So it, it became survival of the fittest. I realized later in life that there that the Rebbe Shalom was giving me an opportunity, I guess, that comes to mind. But there's a puzzle, and things start to fit into place, in place and you understand this works. Now, the last few books, I think it's so much easier because I'm writing books about people now that there's emails from and text messages from and so much video footage. Of Schleimer, I was really a little bit blind. I was, you know, there was some audio, very, very little video, uh, video footage out there. Not much. Blazer Geltzer also. Uh, you know, Mayor Radowitz, I had emails myself from him. I knew him, and, and there was so, he, he documented everything. He was a very, very efficient person. He got a lot done. Rabbi Shalom Fishbane, Kashrus Administrator at the CRC in Chicago, took us behind the scenes at the CRC. Baruch Hashem, um, 
you know, we have grown tremendously in the world of kashras. And to be a good mashkiach today, you need to, your day is important, but much more important maybe is, is engineering and chemistry and food science and, of course, psychology. But that's, Rabbanam, you, <laughs> you know what that's all about. Uh, but it, it's truly understanding how steam system works and how Bitrix works and how, how you know, what, how do you make ice cream from the bottom up to understand that they're missing a key ingredient when they tell you it's not in there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the point is that the list that we do, that the CRC decided to put together was going to be a list of knowledge and a list of science and a list of, uh, of chemicals and whatnot. So when I say we start way back is that we literally – Start going into the stores, we start going into the factories, we start calling on. Ruth Lichtenstein, editor-in-chief of Hamodia and founder of Project Witness, talked about what she learned from her Gera ancestors. Uh, it was not a matter of living in an elegant home. It was not a matter of having, you know, a high standard in life. It was, what do you do with your life? And uh, they were, um, when I look back, unbelievable um, couple who had a tremendous ex, uh, respect for each other and um, they really show us uh, a sample of what we need to do in life. Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, shared lessons from Pirkei Avos. And, you know, in Pirkei Avot, though, there's also four little phrases, you know, me and then of course you know and I just think staying with those phrases and that teaching you know I mean if you can really follow that and I must say my inclinations aren't always that way but those are like breaks in my life that have helped me. And um, I just lucked out that I was born into our people. I, I think we have something so special. PR consultant Matthew Hiltzik talked about how his Judaism influences his work. Well, one thing is I've always been you know, very proud of the community I came from. There's certain uh, Jewish phrases that I sort of incorporate into conversation, I find that I, I bring into it. Um, there are things where I try to explain the concept of Gamzulatova, which can also be used as, you know, interpreted as a, a crisis. Uh, you know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste, and, and adversity breeds opportunity is sort of the different version of Gamzulatova. But there's also ones, you know, Hamevin Yavin is, is another favorite because it's, I think, in the world we live in, the, the uh, you know, from my legal background, I try to be as fact based as possible. And from my political background try to be as precise about audiences and so those sort of who need to know know uh is can be a powerful thing and a lot of the times those who tweet don't know rabbi benji levine the grandson of the tzaddik of yerushalayim talked about walking in yerushalayim with his grandfather so i got to my grandfather on thursday it's still the, the war is going on the six-day war uh friday they came to take my grandfather to the kotel before they opened it up to the public right so my grandfather says, You're going to come with me. And we, 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 um, my grandfather got out and he wanted to make a kriya. He wanted to rent his garment, his, his frock, because he hadn't been to the Kotel since 1948. And he tried, he couldn't do it. And I have a picture 
of me there with a little pocket knife that I had in my pocket. I took it out and I made a cut for him and he rented his garment and he made a shechionu. The two shechionus that I remember that he used the Shema Mefurash first when I first came as a kid and the second time, the week of the, of the, of the Six-Day War, he, he, and he was crying, he said, Rabbi Yitzchak David Grossman, the famed disco rabbi, explained the beginnings of his holy work. And I cry, and everybody's crying, because 10 days before, everybody thinks that Israel is finished. And here you stay by the cotton. Come to my mind, and I speak to our God, and I say, Rabbi Shalom. What can I give you back and thankful for this miracle? And I decided I, I will leave Yerushalayim for one year, one year, volunteer myself one year to a, a place that they need help for the youngsters. Migdala Hemek in this time was the worst place in Israel. Crime, drugs, all situation. Why? But this is the, the fact. The fact is that a soldier was ashamed to say that he lives in Migdalemi. Many, you have the papers every day, but Migdalemi, somebody killed somebody this and this. I decided to go to Migdalemi. Joseph Borgen, the victim of an anti-Semitic attack in New York, talked about what it was like to suffer that attack. But last week, I would have never even thought that my yarmulke or my Judaism would put me in harm's way, verbally or physically. My entire life, thank God, I up until that point, I never really first-hand experience anti-Semitism. I've heard about it, and I've said the classic cliche, it can happen everywhere, it can happen to anyone. But truthfully speaking, nothing of severe magnitude where someone was physically hurt happened to anyone close nearby to me. And the fact that it happened to me is really just, yeah, it's, it's very, you know, scary. But right. never would I think that I have to, you know, not, you know, I hide the fact that I'm Jewish, essentially, no. I'm okay, I'm just banged up, still, you know, I got some headaches and everything, sore, but, uh, I saw the video, like you said, a couple times and just a little thankful and grateful that it wasn't worse considering what could have been, to be honest. So the it, fact that I was able to walk out of there and make it out, you know, one piece, thankfully out of the hospital that night, uh, you know, kind of presented me the opportunity to, to make, you know, example and bring some positive, uh, vibes to the situation or positive impact, whatever I could do just to prevent it from happening to someone else or bringing awareness to anti-Semitism in general, whatever I can do. Richie Torres, a congressman from New York talked about Israel's right to self-defense. I mean, Israel is, you know, one need not be Jewish or Israeli to have deep admiration for Israel as a success story of, of human resilience and ingenuity. Like Israel is a powerful example of, of, of what can be achieved uh, when, when a people come together. And I think of Israel as a, as a profoundly progressive success story. Um, you know, I am pro-Israel, not despite my progressive values, but because of them, you know, Israel is a sovereign state and with sovereignty comes the right of self-defense. You know, if my neighbors and I were the target of more than 4,000 rockets, I would expect my government to defend myself, which is a right that every country, including our own, take for granted. Leah Golden, the mother of Hadar Golden, explained why the murder of her son is a human and rights issue. And this is a real human rights issue. I'm fighting for the human rights of our soldiers. And I believe that discussing human 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 rights is also already it's it's 
usually based on humans, not on countries, on cases of, 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 of human people, humans. <laughs> so if anyone has any contact, any, any way to, to approach um, those kinds of decision makers, I don't know. In Iran, I, I'm at Turkey, I don't know. Whoever has leverage on Hamas, it can be very, very, very helpful. Marathon runner Beatty Deitch shared lessons she's learned from failure. My entire desire to make it to the Olympics was, I was motivated by, you know, the desire to to bring Kavo Chemayim to the world, to show that you could, you know, achieve the greatest level in sport and not compromise on what it means to be a religious Jew. And really, you know, in my mind, I thought, like, what does Hashem want from me? Hashem wants me to make it to the Olympics, right? That's Ratzon Hashem. But who am I to know what Hashem wants from me? And I recognize that when I didn't quite achieve that goal, when I failed, I thought, I said, maybe this is what, this is, this clearly was what Hashem wanted from me in this opportunity. And I had a unique opportunity to fail in such a public way. And someone sent me this beautiful Nesibo Shalom that really just, and he told me, you know, this is, he said, you had to teach this message to the Jewish people. And basically the Nesibo Shalom says that, you know, we talk about avoda, avoda Hashem, work. And he says, our chisaro and our disadvantage is that we think that when you do, when you work on something, you need to build something, you need to make something, you need to create something. It's about the outcome. And no, 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 no. It's not about the outcome at all. It's about the yigia. It's about the effort. And the only thing that matters in this world, and it's hard to know, it's hard to really recognize that in a world that we live in that's so physical and that's so results driven and that is all about achievement. But the only thing that Hashem really cares about from us is our yigia and our effort. Rabbi Manis Freeman, popular Jewish lecturer and writer, talked about the importance of intimacy. I put out another book a couple of years ago called The Joys of Intimacy which goes to more the heart of the issue, assuming that nobody blushes anymore, what's left to the decency in people. And what was left is the natural need for intimacy. Hopefully that'll save us. Because if we keep going the way we're going, relationships will become paper thin. Singer and songwriter Benny Friedman talked about his musical inspirations. One thing that my father told me early on, it could be that I played a certain song for my father and my father said to me that song is way too sad you're way you're too young to be singing such sad songs you're young you need to be hopeful so that is a a very strong guiding principle for me now since then um in choosing songs and topics and things to sing about to try to find the positive side of things and the hopeful side of things and um, a song can either be an idea that exists in my brain, and then I'll go to different um, uh, composers to try to find that, that perfect expression of the idea. Or sometimes the uh, song will show up in my inbox as a full, complete song ready to go. All right. That's all, folks. I hope everyone enjoyed. And stay tuned for a very special episode this coming Wednesday, where Behind the Beam will come back bigger, better and more awesome than ever. So on behalf of Rabbi Goldberg and the other hosts, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the Bima.